Thank God that the Lord has released me and relieved me. The first night, the believer sees that God comes through and uh, by the dawn there's a relief and a release. Shouting and dancing, can you identify with that? When you had a night of trial, perhaps life and death trial, in the morning all was clear. You've been through it for that duration, but it was a short time. And for the next time, or for others, it could have been the next morning, not the first morning, but the next morning, morning the following morning. And so the trial is doubled in duration, and there's a great sigh of relief on that second morning. Think about Job. He went through it for quite a while. He was seeking and looking, what's happening and when am I going to get the vindication? Lord, I've been loyal to you and following you. The Son of God himself, in the prophets you see, him saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was at the apex, the very zenith of his trial where he bore our sins. Which happens to be this week that we're celebrating the sacrifice of the Almighty God, his love, his death, burial, resurrection. Death by crucifixion. Because of the heinous crimes, the blatant rebellion of a world that hates God to be their Lord. They want to be God. And yet the Lord died for us. He went through it and there was a travail, tremendous tribulation upon him. And he asked the disciples, what do you expect me to do? Not drink the cup that my father's prepared? to satisfy his wrath upon me, his beloved. I love the Father. He loves me. We've always had that love. The Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's part of the divine plan and I've got to take it all on me. But it's written that who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, what a difference, is it not, when we think about emblems such as the cross, symbolism, and the actual representation of the death of Christ, when we go through a little bit, a little bit of pain and a little bit of suffering, and as far as we can tell, we haven't done anything wrong there's a question why. One night may be enough for us to say, Lord, you've got to deliver me and it better be this morning. And it may stretch. Job's integrity was tested. His trust in the living God was tested. The Lord Jesus himself was tested. He claved to his Father. 
We heard the other day from Psalm 45 and quoted in Hebrews also. The Father talking to the Son saying, You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you above your fellows or above your peers, your friends. Why? Because he proved himself to hold fast to his integrity, to the Word of God. Three days can someone bear to have a trial ongoing, three days in a row with no relief in sight, and you're hoping the third day get relief, and it happens, and what a joy. Three days. I endured it for three days and joy came in the morning. I have relief. Oh, praise God. Now, the fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day, the rest of the week and going forward the next week, month, we make vows to God and say, Oh Lord, you deliver me from the gates of death, oh God. The gates of Sheol. And I promise, Lord, not to do it my way anymore. And how soon we can forget and go back on our promise. And say, well, I'm free now and I, I know what I went through. But we lose the depth of the understanding that we should have retained and held fast to integrity and said, Lord, I remember what you delivered me from. I had nothing going for me. And I would have been swallowed up, Lord, by death if not for your righteous hand to pull me up out of my misery. Oh, I see now my life is not my own, it's for you. What is it? The three, three T's. My time is not my own. It's one thing to shout these things, another thing to actually put into practice. My soul, again and again, the Lord brings this up. In Psalm 131, my soul is even as a weaned child. No more tantruming for my way. No more kicking and screaming. No more agitation, irritation. Lord, why didn't you do it this way? And why don't I have this now? How could that person do this to me? And I need more patience. Be patient with me. I'm not perfect. The bumper sticker goes. I'm a Christian. I love you, but don't get too close to me. You may find another side of me coming out. How many believers think it's tolerable in the sight of God to say such things Worse yet, to live that way. We go through trials and regardless of whether it was due to personal sin or for the sake of the gospel or for righteousness, it's humbling still. And we see the excellency of God's mercy, His loving kindness, His strength made perfect in our weakness. It's supposed to make us Get nearer to God. To say, I'm not my own. My time belongs to God. Every second of it belongs to God. I don't have time to get on Facebook unless God wants me to. Notice, it's not wrong to have social media. It's not wrong to do many things. But it's wrong when it's outside of the will of God. There's a surrender that comes after the crucible experience 
or should come. God has literally taken me from the jaws of death. Oh my God. Thank you, Lord. How can I live for you? I've told this, shared this uh, some years ago. I don't know, maybe eight years ago, seven years ago. We had a men's regular meetings in the evening as I was driving to work, sharing the word. I believe it was Thanksgiving. And I shared, here's a man on death row. Among many people on death row, the governor decides on Thanksgiving Day, I'm going to pardon that man, the next man in line for execution. His whole life is gone. Everything that he knows, familiar sights, it's gone. No more will he enjoy life in the land of the living. And the warden comes and says, instead of going to the chair for the lethal injection, there's the door. Go on. Get out of here. Can you imagine the shock of that man who moments away from cessation of life, everything, no more family, no more anything. He's going to go into eternity. And the warden comes with a stern face and he's not happy. But the order has come from the highest power in the state, from the governor. I'm in a good mood. And I want to let this man go on Thanksgiving Day. As the man walks out, unsure whether he's dreaming or not, and he breathes the air outside, and he's trying to compose himself, and he may burst out in laughter, he may run, he may jump, he may become very pensive and even kneel down. And What has happened to me? And the thought comes from the heart. Oh, i got to thank that governor. I have to go see him. I need to get access to him so I can tell him. For the rest of my life, I'll never forget what you did for me. You gave me my life back. Thank you. A human being can do that to a human being. How about to the Lord of life? who didn't whimsically or because of a good mood decide at the stroke of a pen or the push of a button or picking up the phone, let him go. Instantly goes down the chain of command and it gets done. But this was the Lord of Calvary who came down and personally went to execution. He put himself on death row so that we can go free. Not just on death row, he went to the execution. Is there any greater love than the love of Jesus? If we understand that when we go through trials, can we remember that he's gone through the worst trial? All for me, all for you. Surely he won't fail me. I may feel the heat and the pain, the pressure. It's too much. I can only imagine what my daughter's going through. Only imagine what she's gone through. Again and again. To see Jesus through her, not one day, two days, but every moment, every response. And I'm greatly humbled and I thank God, even early in the morning I was thanking God for giving me such a child. I don't deserve it. 
and I see Christ displayed and I know God will vindicate her hallelujah but as she's going through it her eyes are on the, on the Lord and she knows as God has revealed many things to her she has not shared everything in the midst of her suffering about the future God's going to be glorified so the focus is on the Lord now the question is as we go through trials do we understand not every trial will be one day we may go for three days five days seven days but we're called not to lose heart it's hard so difficult depending on the gravity of that trial but the Lord says keep your eyes on me remember you're not your own I'm, I'm in this with you your life belongs to me I'll take care of you my name is going to be glorified and I will honor you stay true to me when we come out of the trial are we true to the Lord we may be reminded of failures as we look back in our lives promises we made to the Lord things that we felt so sure that we're going to keep and so ecstatic about it and sharing it maybe posting it come to find out not a short while later just came out of Egypt saw a mighty miracle came through the Red Sea begin to grumble and complain I want it my way I know what God did for me and he's okay but I've, I've got to be Lord still. How does one do that? I don't know anyone who would verbally suggest that. But by action, we demonstrate it. When our time becomes ours. I decide what I want to do when I want to do it. There's no Lord. I'm the Lord. That's how we can behave, we perhaps have lived after tasting of the mercy of God as we look back we can bring that to the Lord and say Lord I'm so sorry I thank God my father is tender hearted hallelujah you know as we were monitoring Esther and I came out of the room Joseph usually he sleeps in a certain place and he was with me And in the dark he was holding on to me. And he felt a little cold. And I brought him very close to me. And put my arms around him. And held him. And the Lord brought this to mind. The father said, as much as I was holding my little son. Under my wings you shall trust the warmth, the compassion, the tender heart of the almighty God to say come under my wings that's the most intimate posture that a child can have with a parent close to the chest under the arms in a tender embrace, protective embrace full of love God says about himself that he's the Lord that exercises loving kindness He's so tender. And as I thought for a moment, I thought of all of the images of father figures and the male leader in the home and 
What does the world say about this and that? What a misconception and twisted, perverted thing people get from the media and watching their relatives and others who have nothing to do with the true nature of God. And we look at God, we see all-powerful, all-majestic, full of compassion, so tender-hearted. We see the expression of the Father in the Son, allowing the Apostle John to lean upon his chest. I'm so thankful. A living God is a loving God. Hallelujah. Knowing that He's a loving God, He won't abandon us. Hallelujah. Even if the trial goes on, seemingly indefinitely, God is faithful. He will bring us out. The pain that the person goes through and the pain the person feels watching the loved one go through, both are called to have their eyes upon the Lord as they weep, as they hurt, as they're heavily burdened. Because God is faithful. When we go through the trials, during the trial, do we understand that it's an opportunity to get close, intimate with my Father? I need His embrace. I need His cover. I need His protection. I need His assurance. I need to be able to look up from under His wings at my Daddy's face and say, Father, are you with me? Are you going to take me through this? Father, I need you. I'm going to lean upon you. Press my face against your chest. Oh, that's the picture of the Almighty God. You look, Old Testament and New Testament. He says, showing love to thousands of them, showing mercy to thousands of them that love Him. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities. The word pity has a negative connotation perhaps in our verbiage today, but it means the compassion that a father has. With all the failings, with all the regrets that a child may feel, I didn't measure up. God is such a God that he loves us and he draws us near and he says I will help you to walk in an upright way to have the fulfillment a joy and the inexpressible unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ to us salvation with it peace, joy, security the assurance forgiveness reassurance that my father has taken me under his wings, even though I may have left him. How did you leave him? After he's been good to me, I thought my time was my own. I thought my money was my own. I thought the gifts and abilities I have, from using my fingers, to being able to speak, being able to get in the car and drive, being able to hold a job, being able to do this or that, go shopping, all these things that I can do, I thought that, I'm entitled to it and I'm that's who I am. You can't take that away from me. Again, these things won't be expressed verbally. The actions show through the sufferings, through the trials, we become as a wean child. Just sit still and look at the Father. So, Daddy, you're everything I've got. You're everything I need. Jesus, help me to grow into the shoes that you've made for me, to grow into maturity, Lord, 
to be faithful to you, loyal. Father, I see that you're looking at whether I'm doing what you say or not. Even during emotional outbursts of praise, dancing and joy, and even praying, what did the Lord say to do? Did I do it? What is the Lord showing me as I go through things? Life is meaningless. It's utterly worthless, apart from Jesus. When we went to the senior homes to minister, nursing homes, I remember walking in one day with the family, ministering a few years ago. All of these people in wheelchairs and some on beds, they're watching... uh, Oh, black and white western. They're drugged up, some of them. Others just mesmerized watching that. And I thought, they're just being lulled into death with something that's meaningless. When we went in there, they shut that off and they began to sit up and listen as the praise went up we began to sing songs and pray and give the word and afterwards show them God's love. In the following weeks, they were looking forward to it. They saw the difference. The staff saw the difference. We have everlasting life to share with them from our Lord. We see that life is meaningless. No matter what we have, the excitement that a child gets with a new pair of sneakers We've all been there, different things as children. When we're children, we think as children. Uh, A new toy or whatever it is. We're thankful to the parents and thankful and happy. and We want to go and show that off maybe and look at it all day long. It's new and then it doesn't stay new anymore. It becomes old. We have to look for something else new and the cycle continues. When we grow up into maturity, and as the Lord grows us, that excitement is constant because God is doing brand new things all the time. Hallelujah. He's always doing brand new things. And He's always calling us closer to Himself. Always opening doors. Always giving heavenly visions. If we desire it, even in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, desire, follow charity, follow love. Right after 1 Corinthians 13, follow love. Make sure you've got love. If you don't have love... No matter how talented you are, talented you are, how much spiritual gifts you possess, how many people adore you, God says you're zero in my eyes. But if you have the love that is able to genuinely, sincerely reach out to others and help them to forgive and to think others better than yourself, to be humble, to be honest, to be holy, all these things having to do with love, pure. If you have that, First Corinthians 14 says, you follow love and desire spiritual gifts. God is doing new things all the time. He's taking us into a new season. We've heard the prophecy from the beginning of the year. As I heard it read the other day, Stali was reading and I told Pascal afterwards also, she was overwhelmed hearing it. God spoke 
through Pasgurba, the first day of the year, the watch night service. As I heard Talia read it, the transcription, it was powerful. I thought to myself, that's the Holy Spirit speaking. Unmistakably. There are no ways, there's no way those words can be put together by a human being, much less a human being who didn't prepare anything. But on the spot, on the, at the moment, the Holy Ghost kept speaking. How things are being played out exactly as he spoke. That watch night, New Year's Day service. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We need to understand our trials in context. I'm here for the glory of God. Through the process, God chips away at the immature things and the selfish things and the problems that we thought were tolerable. And he says, no, this has got to go. We become preoccupied. We need to remember what promises we made to the Lord. We need to say, Lord, you're everything to me, Lord. Whether I do this or that today, get this or that, you're my life. I have you. I have everything, Lord. Now I know that you will direct my steps and all will be well. Hallelujah. And we know that all things will work together for good to them that love God, to those called according to his purpose. The man on death row, liberated, exhilarated, ever grateful to another man who whimsically, after all, decided to let him go from being executed. How much more should we have reverence and awe and thankfulness and be as a weaned child in the presence of God? There's a time to exult and glory and we feel like we're going to come out of our bodies so full of joy, the power of the Holy Ghost. There's another time to sit still and be in awe of the Lord and say, Father, after all, it's the one who does your will that will live forever with you. I want to make sure I do everything you tell me to do, Father. Hallelujah. Through the trial, if we can say that, I'm in the will of my God. As Joseph said when he was going through a life and death situation before Esther's situation recently. As long as I'm in the will of God, it's going to be okay. Now the will of God, as we conclude, can mean two things. One is the will of God that I'm going to get something out of this through this trial ordained by God. And the other aspect is I'm actually keeping His commandments through the trial. I'm blessing His name. I'm learning to lean more upon my Lord. And I'm learning the essence of life is not about the things a man possesses, woman possesses. Jesus said to the people who are arguing with each other, Lord, tell my brother to give what he owes me. The Lord says, man, who made me a Lord over you? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. We can fluctuate, as I often mention. If we don't crucify the flesh, it will rear up again. 
for a few days, for a few months maybe, we'll be having certain things under control. But if we don't crucify that thing, it'll pop up again. The ugliness. By and by, looking over there at the greenery at Sodom and Gomorrah, you know what? That would be a great prospect. I think It's not wrong to want money. After all, God wants me to be happy. It's not wrong to work hard. After all, God says that poverty comes from the talk of the lips, but when we work, we have a result, a return. After all, we can quote this and that and by and by covetousness and wrong understanding and perspective can start coming in again. That which went can return. We need to be able to gauge ourselves in the presence of God and see whether all that stuff is out and stays out. No more will I ever look at money and be covetous or think that it means power to me or whatever. I'm sold out to Jesus. I know how to abound and how to be abased. I'm content in Christ. Nobody can buy me. And I'm not selling the truth for anybody. Hallelujah. Similarly with anything else, my time. Oh Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do this. I'm going to read. It's possible that by and by we can slack off on certain things and it becomes tolerable and the Lord may be standing at the door saying you've left your first love but I can choose to ignore that I can choose to fill myself with praise and worship here and call that person counsel that person and do this ministry meanwhile I'm not in the will of God but Lord didn't you want me to evangelize not before you get back to your first love well I don't want to listen to that now I'm going to find me ten people who believe in evangelism, no matter how you feel. Let's go. You need to be true to the Lord. Be as a wean child. Sit down and listen. What does the Lord want me to change? Still, even now, after knowing Him, after experiencing the Red Sea parting, the miracles, the trials that He brought me through, am I in the will of God now? Not just the whole perspective of God is ordering my steps and He knows the future and but am I doing what he told me to do where I'm at right now? Which is, first of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. How good, how well do you take care of yourself? Can you love somebody else like that? And when the trial is extended, the fragrance of Christ will come forth because there's been a pattern of surrender to God a daily dying to self daily saying Lord not this day not my will but your will be done Lord I'm so sorry that I manifested something that doesn't have anything to do with your personality your divine personality the spirit and I, it's not tolerable Lord and I thank you that I'm not going to be beat up and condemned over it, but I just need to come to you and confess it and say I don't want that in my life oh my father I know you don't want me to have that in my life. I don't want to have this kind of attitude and have this kind of gesture and this kind of face. Things that have nothing to do with you. But hey, it's tolerable for so many people. But the Spirit of God is saying something different. I take it to the Lord. See, there's a growth. There's a maturation. 
there's an understanding contextually that in my life, because God is on the throne of my heart, there's nothing random. At the same time, when I go through something that is not pleasant, that I can trust my Savior, I can cry unto Him. And I can say, Lord, I'm in Your perfect will. How? Because I was following You when this thing came on me. And if I wasn't, in some cases, we can say like David, you know, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but I'm so thankful God allowed this trial to come. It really set me straight for eternity. That's the most important thing. Glory be to God. Shall we pray? Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, for the word, different things, Lord. And to speak to us because you love us. And Lord, there is a hope. There is a future. There is an expected end. There is a turnaround point. Hallelujah. When God will come and he will vindicate his children. Father, I thank you, Lord, for being with Esther, Heavenly King. I pray, help her to sleep, Father. Help her, Lord, to see the end of this trial by faith in Jesus' name. Father in heaven, lift the child out of the burdens. And Lord, show her your glory. Oh, Father, as you've done before, that many people, more than before, see the living Jesus through her forthcoming testimony. Testimony has already begun. I pray, Lord, when it's complete, it will bring many more people to salvation. As, Lord, the trial she went through some months ago brought many people, backslidden Christians, back to you. There's something involved with the cross here that's unmistakable. And, Father, though it's so trying, and Lord, we have despaired of life ourselves. It was too much. Your grace came through every time. And I thank you, Lord, for the family of God. Praying and interceding. Oh, you're doing something in the family of God here. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I pray. Take away everything, Lord, that does not belong in our midst, that the Holy Ghost can come in a mighty, unprecedented fashion, Lord. More than ever. Oh, with signs and wonders, Jesus. Hallelujah. For everyone, Lord, that we may go closer to your heart, Lord. Be closer to your perfect will, Lord. To do it. All that you've spoken. And help us, Lord, to have patience with those who may not see as you want them to see yet. To have love, patience. Lord, you said be swift to hear slow to speak, slow to wrath. So much of the difficulties in the body of Christ can be solved if people practice that. And I pray that your spirit would take every bit of carnality and human wisdom out from our midst, Lord. We really learn to obey you and speak the words that you want us to speak. I thank you, Lord, you're doing something Big. Something good, great, glorious. And thank you, Lord, for this new season from heaven in the preparation of a people genuinely prepared for the return of the Lord. Thank you. This is the mission. That 
we present every person as Kurvanai by the commandment of God to us as pastors as a chaste version to Jesus as the apostle said blameless without spot or wrinkle or any such thing inasmuch as you call this Lord to exhort to encourage and to warn to prepare everyone Lord to be authentic Christians followers of the living King in honesty humility holiness and love so let the time of trial Father produce these good fruits that the people we encounter Lord wherever we are during the course of a day in the course of a night would be in awe of the presence of God that we carry I pray this for everyone in Jesus name Amen